Hey, 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 beautiful humans. It's the Juice Queen here, delivering all those ooey-gooey, drippy topics that will leave you simply drenched in curiosity and connection. So let's vibe over, you know, the juice, shall we? My name is Mila Mandolfo, and my sole mission is to make you feel seen, heard, valued, and validated in such a way that you remember who you truly are. And in that, you're never alone. This is a soft, safe, and sassy place where all of you is welcome. So come on, let's dive in. Hola from my noisy little apartment in Porto, Portugal. Welcome to the first episode of Travel Q&A with the Juice Queen. I, if, if you're not following me over on Instagram, go ahead and do that. It's Mama, M-A-M-A, Noli, N-O-L-E-Y. This is a nickname I got literally in high school, and um, you can find me on almost any platform with this screen name. So I give you that because over there on Instagram, I... Um, I do a lot of travel-related stuff already, uh, tips, tricks, and um, just beautiful updates of where I am at the time. And so we have a few more months of that, so I would love to invite you to come engage with me, and um, I don't know, I just really love sharing the world with people, because especially coming from America, not many people have access to leaving the country, whether that be economically or sociopolitically or um, a mindset, honestly, just holding us back in fear. So I love to help people witness um, that it is attainable um, and also that there's so much to see and um, maybe become more comfortable with the idea of exploring the world and how it deepens the lens that we see reality from. So I've been collecting questions from the followers and I'm just gonna, what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna do five. I'm gonna do five questions for each episode, however long that goes, I'm assuming they're gonna be shorter. And um, I'm hoping to do them like, maybe bi-weekly or we'll see how it goes. So if you're listening now and you, you have a question that comes to you, please find me on social media and just literally ask me or um, drop a question so that I can share it in the next pod. Alrighty, so let's see, let's see. What should we dump into first? Okay. So I'm personally, I'm someone who likes to travel solo and um, that obviously breeds a lot of questions there. So there's a, a section here, quite a few questions about traveling solo. So let's just dive into those. <clears throat> let's actually do this one first. It says, it says, what was your first trip abroad? And like, how did you start? So um, 
my very first trip abroad, actually, I was a, um, I was the class president of my high school, which is fitting if you know me, for two years. And our senior year, I spearheaded um, a senior trip. And so the first trip I did abroad was that. We all went, or not all of us, not everybody joined, but we went to Mexico, which was one of those all-inclusive packages. And so in a way, was it really traveling? But it was a perfect way to start, you know. Um, I had a group of people with me. Like I said, it was all-inclusive. So that means that the hotels and, like, meals are already paid for and, like, uh, they have events for you every day and things like this. So that was my first trip abroad to Mexico. Um, And since then, I will share that I went back to Mexico to kind of make up redemption for that, um, which was great. So that was my first trip. But if I want to talk about my first solo trip, it would be my second trip abroad, which was five years later. Five years later, I was graduating college and... um, Actually, it was before I graduated. I um, I had just found like music festivals a couple of years prior, and I also wrote for my like college magazine, and I was doing coverage for the magazine at festivals, and I started to like get familiar with this. So, anywho, I saw a festival in Costa Rica. It's called Envision Festival. It still happens to this day, and it's I mean I haven't been but people tell me that it's still awesome. There's like the, the whole thing is um, different venue, different owners and all that. Um, but I went, I think it was either the first or second year. Anyways, when I applied, I applied as an intern. I was one of three interns who got accepted and <clears throat> this was just obviously fate. Um, and so I, and none of my other, like no one I knew, well, well actually I did know. I knew two people who were also going, but we weren't like close friends. We just knew of each other, but we became, I would say, lifelong friends through us all going to that festival in Costa Rica. Well, anyway, I flew in alone, um, got there alone, you know what I mean? And it was the first time doing something without a crew, like a festival is what I mean by that. And so I got to before my shift, which was always at the night, um, I would wake up early and do all these yoga. In fact, doing yoga daily and all the workshops daily in vision, first of all, was the first transformation festival that I've been to. And (laughs) that is a brilliant way to describe my experience because for seven days or however long it was back to back, um, transformational workshops, it was there that I decided I wanted to be a yoga teacher. And my yoga journey is basically how, how I am, who I am today. So gosh, kneeling in gratitude to that festival and the opportunity that aligned so beautiful for me, beautifully for me to be there. So anywho, um, my first trip was to Costa Rica. And I'm laughing because I, I literally brought... <laughs> this massive, um, like the biggest size you can bring, um, like suitcase, like rolly suitcase. And of course I could bring everything and it was great. And I even put a tent in there. Um, but I quickly learned how insufficient traveling with a backpack is if you're going to non first world countries, let's just put it that way. And also camping. It was just, it was a burden. It was silly. I mean, it was, 
it was fine because, you know, I got there and then I was there for the whole time. But I remember thinking like, this is, I feel ridiculous. Um, so anyways, that was my first trip abroad and it was life changing due to the circumstances of where, where I was and what I was doing. Um, and it really lit a spark in me. Now, and that solo, like that, um, that like being alone energy just really woke me up of like realizing that I could do anything that I wanted to do and I didn't have to wait on others and I didn't have to like move my schedule around for others and how vastly transformative it was. It just showed me the power of individuation and um, what magic happens when we're doing our own thing because through, through, that experience, I was meeting people that perhaps I wouldn't have met prior because one is I'm doing what I want to do. So I'm attracting the similar people to what I want to do. And secondly, if you're always around people who, you know, you're probably talking to them all the time and your energy is directed at them versus when you're solo, you have, you're like inviting other people to into your reality. So huge lessons were learned there. Um, so this was February or March or end of February of my graduation year. And I was graduating, uh, I believe May. So just a couple months later. Well, that last semester of college, um, so I had a full, basically a full ride, um, scholarship until because I had, I had gone over the four-year mark in doing college. I was like one semester over or something like that. And they were no longer going to pay for my schooling. And I didn't find this out until like two, three days before semester started. And I freaked out, of course, because I just didn't have like thousands of dollars in my pocket. And I had to consider taking out a loan for the first time in my life. And I always thought of loans as scary and like something I didn't want to do. And um, the way that I perceived it was this, because the loan was for like twice as much as my um, tuition. I told myself this, if you're going to take this loan, then the rest of the money is going towards something that you actually want to do. Like what's something you really like, what do you want to do? And I mean, since I was a kid, I always wanted to travel the world. Like, but I have, like, I didn't come, I come from a single income family, like was raised by just my father and my mom wasn't around and there was like no um, child support or anything coming in from there. And um, I have a brother too. So my dad was taking care of us. Like we were fine, but we didn't have like extra money to throw around for shit like that. So anyways, it was a, something I always wanted to do, but it wasn't very like accessible, is what I'm trying to say. So when this opportunity came around, I, I was, I, first of all, I was hesitant to accept it at all. But not only would it uh, allow ease for me to finish school, which is obviously something I wanted to do, but it also gave me this um, permission to do something epic. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to take this loan, that's what I'm gonna fucking do. And I decided that I was gonna go to Europe for as long as I was allowed to, which was, and still is, it's 90 days for the, yeah, um, your, your, <laughs> what the fuck, why can't I, the Euro European, 
Nations. <laughs> what the fuck? No, the EU, sorry. European Union. Um, there's 26 countries in the European <laughs> Union and um, you can travel freely within those. So, but it's, it's the same visa. So it's a travel visa for 90 days and you can travel amongst those countries. So um, that's what I decided I was going to do. And what's really fucking amazing about this is I had everything set up. I had a ticket. I was going to Spain first. In fact, at first I was like scared, of course. So I was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to go to Spain and I'm going to rent an apartment and I'm going to bring my rolly bag. And like, I just had this, you know, wanted to make things easy, you know, and like less scary or whatever. Or maybe I didn't even know anything different. This is just what my plan was. You know, actually at first I was considering working abroad and I was going to do au pair, be an au pair, which is like an international nanny. And then I realized, what the fuck? I'm going to travel. I'm not like, I don't want to be like stuck working for someone. Like I saved this money for a reason. Okay. So all these things were happening. I swear two months, I think, I think it was like two months before my trip. I was at this art fair that I, you know, it's like first Friday in our, you know, in Tallahassee, which is where I went to school that I went to often. Well, for the first time, I, not the first time, I went to this um, like vegan Hare Krishna food stand that I loved and I was in line. And for the first time I saw this guy working there that I've never seen before. And I was there with a friend and apparently he knew my friend and they were like talking but when I walked by to get my food, this guy was super <laughs> flirtatious and sweet and cute. And he basically asked if we could connect. And, oh, that's right. He asked me right there in the line who I am and what am I up to? Where, like, just all these questions. And I told him that, you know, it's my last year. I'm a creative writing major, um, which is like an application only like major at our school. And it's limited, is what I'm trying to say. Anyways, he's like, no shit, so am I. So that was cool. And he's like, what, what's, your, what's your story? I'm like, well, I'm going to Spain in two months. He's like, shut up, so am I. So I was just like intrigued, and we connected. Well, um, his name is Vlad, and we basically blossomed into this beautiful relationship. Um, he is actually, he lived in Spain before. He's from, he was from Romania lived in Spain, um, and now lives in, Amer like, lived in America at that time, actually. I think he's back in America now. But anywho, he was just this beautiful free spirit, and, and as was I, and uh, we just got along swimmingly, and he basically was the one who was like, well, I'm meeting up with a bunch of writers in Spain and like, why don't you come to where we're going to be? And like, fuck a rolly bag. You need a backpack. And like, he just led the fucking way. And this man, gosh, like, again, just like, I am who I am because of this man. And um, I actually saw him for the first time in like seven years this year. Oh, it was so cool. Um, anywho... He, just, wow. He, not only did he introduce me to people along the way, but he introduced me to a way of travel and a way of living, honestly, that I would have never accessed without him. Like, he taught me how to hitchhike. He taught me how to busk, which is like any kind of street performance. So, like, I would hula hoop and he would play the accordion and, like, we, he had a, um, 
he had a what do you call fuck <laughs> those things that you lock on that you connect to trees you know he had one of those <laughs> And um, we'd put our hats out and like the other friends, we'd all just, it was just, it was quite an experience. In fact, I wrote vehemently about this experience and called it, it's called the Karma Bums. And um, I guess I will link that in the show notes because I kept a beautiful journal basically about the experience and published it. And by publishing this, many serendipitous, um, beautiful invitations and occurrences, serendipities and events um, happened, <laughs> which is a whole nother podcast. But um, anywho, so this first trip, well, I guess it wasn't my first trip, but my first backpacking trip with Vlad, um, we actually, you know, we only, we parted ways throughout the journey. I was there for 90 days. He He stayed, I believe, for like six months maybe, because he has European citizenship. Um, but regardless, the time that we did share together just set the tone for the rest of, I was going to say my trip, but honestly my life in many ways. And um, I just learned so much. And now, if you've been following me around um, on socials or on, on the pod, you know that I'm back in Europe right now which is, what, eight years later, I believe, um, which is so special about this time is that I am coming from a completely different financial standpoint. So I get like almost a redemption there of, because back then, out of those 90 days, I only stayed in a hotel or accommodations of any kind for two of those nights. The rest of the time, I was either couch surfing, camping, or falling into the laps of something so fucking synchronistic, um, like meeting someone who flew me to Malta to watch their chihuahua for 10 days, or um, <laughs> Vlad wanting us to sleep in a fucking city park, and this woman coming up and saying, oh, hell no, come with me. I'm a couch surfing host, and this beautiful woman, Mayan, um, in Bologna took us in like complete strangers and put us in her bed while she slept in her roommate's room. I, uh, wow. Among so many other beautiful situations. This time I'm out here living my best queen life. And, um, it's because with my experience I've learned because that's part two of this question is how do you compare? The question was, what was your first trip abroad and how does it compare to now? And so now I have all this wisdom because let's say, you know, the trip to Europe eight years ago, um, at that time I only had a couple countries under my belt. Now this journey, I believe, um, where am I? <laughs> I'm in Portugal. I believe Portugal is country 29. And I say I believe because I'm trying to decide if I'm going to count Slovenia because I did a road trip through Slovenia, but I didn't stay there. So I'm, not, I'm debating if it counts or not, um, which had me thinking when I was in Europe the first time, I counted Belgium, even though I only hitchhiked through it a couple times. So I'm sitting with that. What do you guys think? <laughs> Is that two halves to make a whole? <laughs> no, but seriously, I feel like I need to go back to both of those. So to actually experience them. So for me, that makes a sign as if they don't count. So anywho, so 
how it compares to now is that I just have all this wisdom under my belt. Like I, things are less scary. I know what to pack. I know how to budget. Um, and I'm just more confident, not to say that I wasn't then, definitely was, but you know, with anything you have practiced at, you become more confident. So moving forward, um, actually, I feel like that an easy segue to the next question is how did you learn to budget slash how do you sustain yourself? So I'm, so how did I learn to budget? As you, as you just heard, it was, it's through practice. Um, it's crazy to say that when I went to Europe that first time, I, after buying the flight, which was like a thousand dollars, um, I, I'm not fucking kidding. I think I had $3,000 for the whole trip and which is totally doable. Like you could do that on a budget and thank God for Vlad because get this, I came back to the U S and let and I will say that, and by the way, this was all my money. Like I sold everything that I owned to save for this trip. I had this big garage sale. I had the, 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 um, the rent, the, sorry, the, the loan, some extra loan money, whatever. I had $3,000. And <laughs> right before the flight home, like let's say two weeks before the flight back to the US, I, okay, I used this flight company that wasn't directly through, like it was a third party is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't through the airline. And that's why still to this day, I bought, I'll find a flight on a third party and then go to the actual airline because just trust me, you're protected when you do that. So anywho, two weeks before my trip back to America, that sketch company charged me for a $600 flight that I did not purchase. <clears throat> but, and like, like I, I reported it as fraud or whatever, but I couldn't access the money for like, I swear it was like a month. So luckily I had already taken out like I think $300 in cash and that lasted me for the rest of the two weeks. Because again, I was in some beautiful serendipitous situation where I had met people through Vlad um, who became like family and without even knowing, like the money thing happened while I was with them. I had to become like family with them and was staying with them for three weeks and it was just magic. Anyway, on this, you know, Italian hillside farm. And when I got back to Barcelona, which was where my flight was out of, I stayed with someone else that I had met along the way. Anywho, my point is that I somehow made $2,500 last for three months in Europe and that's just crazy to me. Fast forward to now, and my budget is nearly three times as much. <clears throat> so let's see here. So yeah, it's a learning process is what I'm trying to say. And um, this is how I do it. 
Okay, so how do you sustain? Let's go back to that. I sustain by basically living out of a backpack for 90 days after graduation of college taught me how little I needed, like in general. To be carrying your entire life in a 75 liter backpack, excuse me, you learn the simplicity of life and what actually brings you joy and how little like materialisms matter. So, oh, and it taught me, wow, I can literally survive on like $600 a month or eight, sorry, $800 a month um, in another fucking country, then I better be fucking, like, it basically inspired me to live simply um, in the U.S. so that I could save to go back out there is the way that I saw it. And I still see it to this day. The way I see life is <clears throat> increments of internalization and groundedness and then travel and exploration. So, um, cause for me, I am not living my truth. I'm not living my purpose. If I'm not honoring what, it doesn't even just bring me joy. It literally brings me closer to like my highest self, if that makes sense. Like when I'm traveling, when you're traveling, especially alone, you're every moment is an opportunity for you to show up as who you want to be because nobody else knows you. You know, you can't rely on this uh, characterization of what like your loved ones back home have um, like cultivated about you. So in each moment you are redefining who you are and you get to live in that truth. And it's so fucking powerful. Um, and so for me, and in following your truth in the aspect of, okay, today I want to do this. Like, for example, today I wanted to record this podcast and um, honoring that truth that comes up, you know? Honoring, like, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, outside of your day-to-day -day routine really shows you what's important to you. And so that's why I... Um, value traveling so much is because it's like a reset for me. It, it's like a divine mirror in a way. And it shows me who I am, where I came from and where I'm going. Um, so <clears throat> what I'm getting at is when I'm living in the States, when I'm home, quote home, because everywhere we are is home. When I'm back home, I'm living with the mentality of knowing that my savings is going towards, like when I skip out on something that all my friends are doing, if it's not 100% fuck yes in my heart, I'm not going to go because I'd rather save that $200 to go do epic shit in another country. Especially, I know Europe is, is another first world country. Things are basically the same price, sometimes more as America. But these other countries, some, some of these other countries are like $200? That's like, bro. Like I lived off $500 for an entire month in India. So let's just putting that in perspective. So what I'm getting at is it's a mentality of if you know there's something else, like if you have a goal, which in my mind, even if I don't have a specific goal or date of what I, where I want to go or, you know, when, I 
am still subconsciously knowing that everything that I'm saving is going to be going towards an epic adventure in my future, if that makes sense. I am constantly, or it's, it's like a subconscious awareness of I'm saving for something else bigger. And, um, you know, a lot of people save maybe to buy a car or buy a house or whatever. And, um, I mean, I would love to own a house, maybe. I don't know. I say that, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> In this day and age, it's, am I? Do I? Um, I mean, it would be great to, like, own property and then do do what I do, which is, you know, I go on this trip, I'm airbnb from place to place to place. I would love to host, I would love to run an Airbnb, you know, and live in it when, when guests aren't there. That would be cool, but I'm not attached to that. That's what I'm getting at. I'm saying that what I'm more attached to is exploring the world. If anything, I'd say one of my biggest worlds or earth, <laughs> why? I don't know, but it's kind of funny. My world earth goals. <laughs> I meant to say my life goals, my life on earth world's goals is to visit every country. There's about 200 countries and it is a huge fucking goal. Um, but maybe I can make it happen, you know, never say never. So I have an underlying awareness that I am saving for these adventures. So because people are like, how do you save for this stuff? And the answer is, I'm only saving in a way, like, for that um, purpose. <sighs> so let's see here. So that's how I sustain, if you want to call it financially abroad. I don't. I save. Um, I save up knowing that I'm not going to work when I'm, when I'm there. So... Um, with that being said, I'll, okay, here, so here's like a method that I do. If I know I want to go to Guatemala, like that's the calling that I have, I, I might think of the time that I'm available for that and then look at the savings, okay? And then to like decide how long I can manage there based off the savings. Do you see what I'm saying? So um, it's like there, there's like this cohesion there. So I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to go to Guatemala for six months or, or Central America for six months if the savings doesn't add up to that. You know, there's a reasonable, you know, way weighing here. Also for me, I don't travel long term if I have a lease in America, because it doesn't make sense to me to be paying both. So when I have a lease, I'll do short-term trips, which is one to three, four weeks. Um, and if I'm doing a short-term trip and I'm living in a, where I have to pay bills in America, then the savings are probably less. And so I'll pick a country where I can budget better for the savings. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to choose France if I only have $1,000 saved. I'm going to choose Guatemala. See, how, see what I'm saying there? Um, and I'm not going to go for six months. I'm going to go for one month. And I'm not going to go when I have a lease because that doesn't make any sense. I travel when my lease runs out. 
In fact, when my leases run out, that's what I perceive as the window of travel. So I either run a lease out and then go travel or if there's something key, like that's my reflection time. I'm like, okay, so do I want to stay? Do I want to go? And obviously it depends on how much I have saved. If I don't have enough saved, clearly I need to re-sign my lease and start, start again on the saving process. And when it comes to budget, because I did get a bunch of questions here on budget. Let's do one budget question, and then we'll hop over to the solo question. Uh, let's see, budget. All right. So when it comes to budget, let's see. This is how I do it. All right, let's use the Guatemala example. I'm going to Guatemala, let's say, for three weeks, and I have $1,000. I'm going to divide, and this is $1,000 for the trip. This doesn't include the flight. The flight's bought already, let's just say. I'm going to take $1,000, and I'm going to divide it by 21 days, if that's how long I'm going to be there. Now, I will say, before I go, I'll look this up prior, though. I'll either use this, this Facebook group that I'm obsessed with. It's called Girls Love Travel. When I first entered it, it was like 50,000 women. Now it's over a million women around the world who are sharing tips, tricks, and like travel advice and suggestions and questions. Um, it's just an incredible resource that I use constantly for travel. So I might go on there to look up things like safety and like uh, where to stay and what to do, but also you can inquire around budget and girls are asking in there all the time. Now, I also just do a quick Google search around backpackers budget in Guatemala and plenty of resources will come up. So you'll get a general idea of how much a hostel cost or how much um, food cost and things to do like the ruins or museums or whatever, you can get a general idea. Um, this can help you um, decide how long you're going to go based off your budget. So let's say I chose 21 days. I only have $1,000, so I'll divide 1,000 by 21. That's 40, not even $48 a day. But believe it or not, many countries you can survive and even thrive on $50 a day. So what I'll do is, personally, this is how I do it. I keep a note on my phone, you know, the notes application, and I'll just write the week or each day, like Monday, Tuesday, and underneath I will write what I buy, simple as that, and the cost. So, and I'll put the, the hostel or wherever I'm staying on there as well. So if the hostel is $10 a night, it says 10 the food was $4, the bus was $3, the trinket I bought was $3, whatever. And I make this running list per day. If I am only spent $30 that day, that means I have $17 I didn't spend out of my budget. So the way I do this is the next day, I add $17 to the 47 
So now my budget is $64 for the next day. You see? So then I'll do the same thing, do the running budget. And let's say I have another $10 left over. That means the next day I'll add $10 to my 47 and it'll be, you know, 57. But let's say one of those days I have to buy, or I don't have to buy, let's say I splurge on a massage or something and it's like 20 bucks and it's like putting me over, it's putting me over my budget um, by $10. So the following day I will subtract $10 from 47. So the next day, my budget's $37. And I will adjust the way that I live for that one day to be a little more frugal. This method is tried and true. And um, it has never served me wrong. And it helps me know when I can splurge. And it helps me know when to be frugal. Um, and I've done this for almost all of my trips, except for the one that I'm on now. This trip is the first time that I've had a large budget or larger budget. You know, I'm still, I'm still a backpacker. Um, but I've been working on my money story, which if you have heard the universe's Your Sugar Daddy podcast episode, go check that one out. It, it's this uh, method that I've been working with, which is leaning into self-splurge in a sensical means, and um, how it helps us redefine our story with money. And and I'll tell you what, I told you in that podcast. I'll let you know if you know if I run out of fucking money. And here I am in fucking Portugal. So it's really been working out. <laughs> it's really been working out. Um, so yeah, that's how I budget. And so this trip, this trip. I set my budget higher. Basically what I did when I came here is I let myself just not budget for the first couple weeks and told myself I'll start the budget after those two weeks. And then after those two, two weeks, I decided to see how much I was spending and then decided instead of creating the budget around what I had left, I decided to ask myself what would happen if I just went the whole trip on this budget. And I did the math and I realized that, no, I didn't have enough money. Like, I didn't save enough for that. But it wasn't that much money over. Like, it is by, like, I think $2,000 it's over, which is a lot. And also, similarly to, like, that loan when I was, you know, in college, is it worth it, though? Is it fucking worth it, though? Because I have a tra travel credit card, which, by the way, is the best decision I fucking made. I don't know why I waited so long to fucking do that. But this trip, I got one. And I'm just, like, getting all these fucking points and, like, free flights. It's just so great. Anyway, I realized, yes, it's over. But I'm not going to let that scare me. I'd rather do what I want to do now and then make payments when I get back to fucking America if I have to. But that's just if I did spend the whole trip balling out like I did the first two weeks. I'm not necessarily doing that. But I just created a like mentality of what would be the worst 
outcome if I did. And the worst outcome would simply be paying it off in increments when I get back. And that ain't shit. That's like not a big deal. So it's given me a lot of grace and I'm I'm not going to act like it's, there is a couple, you know, there's times where I'm like, fuck, am I spending too much? And I'm like, no, bitch, we already did this math. (laughs) We already did this math and it helps me relax and like treat myself and, um, enjoy this. It's like, it's not once in a lifetime because yes, I do value travel. So it's not going to be the last time I'm out and about, but if I see it, like, I want to see it that way though. Like this is the once in a lifetime that I'll be here right now, right here doing this. And I want to give myself grace and give myself spaciousness to enjoy myself without stress of fucking paper, which is money. And like, I know it rules the world and it runs the world and like, I get it. And also I don't want to be a slave to that. So I'm trying to give myself grace in treating myself. So that's my budgeting tips. Now let's get down to some of these solo questions. I'm just going to do one or two and then we'll wrap up this episode. Um, Okay. So All right, let's do this one. Basically, this question is just simply saying, do you prefer solo travel or going with friends? So I believe that I've gone to at least half of the countries solo that I've been to. And other ones might be small family trips. Like I went on some cruises with my mom and sister. Um, the the like senior trip abroad with my my high school. Or like there's been a couple <laughs> times that I've traveled with a lover. And <sighs> let me just say it's a whole nother fucking world. Like if you know how you have your friends... And then you have your roommates and it's like a tricky business to like move in with someone that's your friend or whatever, vice versa. It's because, and why is because you learn so much more about those humans. Um, people are completely different in their home life than they are outside of it. And so anywho, if you think living with someone is difficult, traveling with someone is like amplified a hundred times because the reason is, you're probably sharing a smaller space. <laughs> There's nowhere for you to go. <laughs> you guys are having to align your sleep schedules, your eating schedules, your eating preferences and habits, your um, your financial fucking budgeting, whatever. Like everything is, oh, it's also not to mention, and this is what comes up for me, this is what's the most difficult part is, If you're traveling with someone who has a different level of experience than you, that for me is what tends to create tension. Because if you're someone who's been traveling a lot, you have this experience of going with the flow. Um, You know that shit's going to break along the way or you're going to lose shit or you're not going to, you're going to miss buses or there's just all these things that happen when traveling that it's just you really cultivate a sense of letting go. And most people are attached to wanting things to be the way that they wanted them to be. And 
have some sort of reaction when it doesn't go their way. And the different flavors of people's reactivity, <laughs> oof. hopefully you can, you can practice equanimity enough that you don't have, or you might have a reaction, but you're not projecting it, projecting it onto others. So as someone who is a seasoned traveler, this is something that I work with, and I might be having a reaction, but I'm not projecting it out to, onto others. If anything, I have actually learned, for example, if I'm doing a travel day, which means for me, like I'm taking a bus and checking into a new place and da da da, the, I'm wearing the pack and like I'm, I'm trekking 20 minutes with, with the fucking 45 pounds or whatever. I know to create the most stress-free fucking day as possible. That means I'm not going to make a bunch of plans on that day. My only plan is to pack snacks in my bag, have Netflix downloaded, make sure my Bluetooth headphones are charged, and um, check into the fucking spot. You know, like, I, I just make it as chill as possible because I don't want to add any type of stress to my experience. So anyways, what I'm getting at is when I've traveled with others, that can create a lot of friction when they're having a reaction that unfortunately is projected onto you because you're the only person they know and they might not even know the language that you're at. Um, and it becomes a burden. It truly does. And I hate to say it, but it, but it is. And it could even create like, and if say I'm trying to say, hey, it's all good, like do they might even... It can, it can create issues out of nothing, and it's especially um, upsetting for me because, hey, I'm on vacation too, and I paid money to be here, and I saved up time, energy, space. Like, I'm trying to enjoy myself, not, you know, babysit your reaction. And so um, there's a lot of hand-holding being done. And so I personally prefer typically, to travel alone. And if I am choosing to travel with someone else, it's like I'm, it's a gift. <laughs> it's like I'm saying, or, or when I'm choosing to travel with someone else who is outside of the same experience level, because if you take two people who haven't traveled much and they're both scared together, then, you know, they're either going to both attack each other, which sucks, or maybe they'll find, you know, one of them will have to rise up and take charge and like, it'll be like a growth filled experience, you know? So, but if it's this other way, it can just be just a mess. Um, so for me, I like to either travel with people, um, like earlier in this trip, I met up with someone that I met in Ecuador. She lives in Austria and we did a road trip together and it was seamless because we're both seasoned travelers and we just know how to, go with the flow and like honor each other and check in like, Hey, do you want to do this? Oh, okay. Want to do that? Do you want to sleep in early today? Hey, do you want to go do that? It's just a, a nice, pleasant flow. Now, if I am wanting to share an experience with someone who is less traveled, it's me basically saying, yo, I got you. And I am offering you this gift. I'm offering you this opportunity to piggyback on with me and I will guide you. I will show you the way. Um, now, however, though, be, me being me, I definitely debrief my friends ahead of time, like, hey, this is how I feel. Th these are my needs. These are my concerns. 
tell me your needs and concerns. Let's talk about it. And there's an open flow of communication. I like to be someone who's like, hey, if there's ever anything coming up for you, don't hold it in. Let's just chat about it. Um, if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, just, just tell me. We can work through it. That's just something that, that's just the way I operate in general, but it's especially important in another country. We want to make our loved ones feel safe and supported. Um, so anyways, I like to travel solo for those reasons, but also because, like I said previously, when we're not engaging with people we already know, we're allowing, we're allowing, um, these room for new connections to come forward and like some type of like unspoken serendip and serendipitous soul contract stuff to happen to us. And I really thrive on that. Um, yeah, so that's why I like to travel alone. People are like, aren't you scared? And I'm like, honestly, the most scary thing for me is um, when, you're, when you're packing up all your shit at home and you're like selling your stuff and you're like packing all your things into one little bag, that's where most of my anxiety pops up. Like, holy shit, I'm doing this. Like, this is crazy. And like, ah, I hope it's fun. I hope it's cool. I hope everything's great. And of course you arrive and you're like, wow, this is... <laughs> Here's the thing. We project other places are so vastly different than ours, than, than our reality, when, when truthfully everybody is just out here existing. Sure, different countries are culturally totally different in different ways. Um, but the core reality of human beings existing is the same. And from my experience of traveling the world, most people, most all people are good people. And that's the way that I operate is just this divine trust. Now, don't get me wrong. I proactively follow my gut. Like, I'm someone who definitely has refined their intuition over the different practices of Vipassana and, you know, meditation and, and yoga and just living the way that I do, honoring not just like, you know, an internal spiritual guide, but also the physical sensations that arise in my body when I'm encountering people, places, and things. And so there's all these different kinds of alerts happening on um, an internal and external level that we can follow. So I'm not saying like everything's rainbows and butterflies. I've had plenty of experiences that are weird or off, but I follow my gut when I feel that and I remove myself from the situation. We'll hop on more of that in the next one. But what I'm getting at is people are fucking inherently good. That's what I believe. And so that's what I fucking experience. Um, Someone I was just talking to the other day, I um, checked into a hostel for the first time of this trip and they were like, they were like, um, I don't know, I just always get nervous that people might steal my shit. And I was like, the thing is, that's what they're thinking too. Now, um, hostels all have locks and shit, you know, I mean, most places. You should definitely be staying in hostels that have locks. Um, for you, like storage locks. Um, in fact, mine had this cool key operated lock system, like, or I mean card key, like it was this like automatic thing. Super cool. Anyway, what I was telling the guy is, yeah, well, they're all thinking the same fucking thing. Hostile people are all just like solo backpackers 
putting the same fucking trust into the hostel as you are. And so, I mean, that, please, like, don't get me wrong. Like, there was one time, I think I've told the story before in the sugar daddy pod, but one time I was so adamant on saving, like, the fucking few dollars that I had left, so I decided to miss out on a full-day adventure just to save, like, $30, $40 or whatever, which goes a long way in Nicaragua. But... So I slept in this hammock, and when I woke up, someone had stole my money. Oh, yeah, but this, this hostel in Nicaragua didn't have locks. I was just trusting it. But what came out of that was a divine lesson, as I said, as I told you in this other fucking podcast, is what I learned from that was fucking turn up, because here you are in another country saving 40 bucks for what? For what? Gas when you get home? Bitch, go to the waterfall. <laughs> so anyways, that was a whole lesson in itself. For me, I know it's a radical way of thinking, but even when the shit storms down on me, I, I tend to find a divine reasoning behind it. So anyway, yeah, shitty things happen, but I mean, there's lessons behind it and we grow from all those things. So... Traveling solo. Yeah, that's why I prefer to travel solo. And um, I... And the other thing is, are you really ever traveling solo? Because no matter what, literally... Here's an... Like, no matter what, you're going to meet people along the way. So you're not actually traveling alone. You're traveling with the world. And so there's, there's, there's constant interactions around you. And if anything, they're more divine, you know, because they're like synchronistic. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Celestine Prophecy, but this is, this is a book that I um, serendipitously was told to read by my girlfriend who met me in India. She was on her own trip and I was there and we connected and we were on the beach on my one day off of the ashram. And she's like, you should read this book. Well, I opened up my Kindle to download it and forgot that I had already downloaded it before I got there, like before I went on the trip. And so of course I was like, oh, this is a sign. Well, it turns out the whole book is about signs and following your truth and like serendipities. God, I love this book. It's such an amazing book and it's about travel and it's about following your gut and it's about instincts and all those things. So I highly recommend checking out this book because it's within the book. I actually started the book and didn't stop reading it until I finished. I read it in like eight hours. Um, so in the book, it says, remain open, basically, because when we close ourselves off, we're missing these opportunities and these divine interventions. Because if we're causing paths with someone, but you're like too involved in your own world or you're too afraid, then you're closing yourself off from what they had to offer you. Because everything and every person that comes through, like into our reality, whether big or small, has something that they're offering you. And that offering could very well change the direction of your life. So, or lead you somewhere um, that you needed to go. So, that book I was reading on an overnight bus um, from this ashram that I was volunteering at for two months. And then I read on the overnight bus until like 
5 a.m. Um, and it was great because I had just been told bullshit, in my opinion, to be aware of India and it might be unsafe and all these things. And reading that book helped me remain open to people and opportunities and conversations. And I'll tell you what, it was magic. It was fucking magic. Because there were times where like, I was like, oh, fuck this person. Like, I don't, like, you know, the, 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 there's people on the streets like, oh, ma'am, 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 madam, madam, buy this, whatever. And I was like, you know what, what would happen? And then you're just like, oh, no, like, leave me alone. You're like annoyed. I wouldn't even really say leave me alone. I just walk by. And then I would stop and say, well, what would happen if I just stopped, actually, and listened to this guy for a second? Then not only am I learning about this local item or whatever, I'm asking this person about, oh, where are you from? Oh, tell me this. And then they show me this fucking backside of the palace and they like led me to this cool tea shop, like shit that I would have never been open to if I would have just kept walking. And this guy, I asked him to take a couple pictures of me up on the, on the palace and they're epic. <laughs> like these little divide moments that we can miss out on if we're just constantly shut down. So Celestine Prophecy is the name of the book. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Alrighty. Well, I feel like I feel like that's a wrap for the first Q&A. And again, if you want to like, please do send me questions. Um, anything that comes up for you, find me at Mamanoli, M-A-M-A-N-O-L-E-Y on Instagram. Um, and inbox me questions because I'm going to keep these going for the whole rest of the trip. Thank you, my dudes and dudettes um, and everything in between. I will catch you next time. Ciao, ciao.